Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Are you on there? Well, I got this so loud that I didn't hear it. They didn't hear your beautiful voice, darling. This is uh, Soapy, my daughter Stacy, and we're here for The Bible Live. John is here with us as well. For the next 90 minutes, we're hopefully going to be taking some of your phone calls as well, and you will join us here on the air, even as you let us have the wonderful privilege of joining you on your Sunday evening. We're so pleased and grateful that you would invite us into your vehicle or your home or wherever you might be hanging out this evening. We are grateful to be along with you. And what is the Bible Live? That's what the pro- the program is all about, this book of books. We read through the entire Bible every year together, and we invite you to join us on that uh, annual journey through the Scriptures. We've been doing this since 2001, actually. 20 years now, we've been reading through the Bible together every year. And I invite you to join us. We just finished up this past week. We finished up reading the Gospel of John, chapters 10 10 through 21. Mm -hmm. We had started the Gospel of John the week before. And uh, we've just finished up the Gospel of John this last week. We'll be having some questions and discussion about the Gospel of John. And also on Friday of this week, uh, we went back to the Hebrew Scriptures, back to the Old Testament, the Tanakh, as it is uh, known. And we started the books of First and Second Kings. We've already read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, and now we are, will be going into First and Second Kings in the Hebrew Scriptures. So we kind of bounce back and forth between the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament, and uh, we are finishing up our little period now in the Gospel of John, uh, chapters 10 through 21, and just a remarkable book that it is. We will probably focus to a great extent this evening on uh, the Gospel of John and give in our final segment a little bit of an introductory of the books of First and Second Kings, which, like the books of First and Second Samuel, were originally one uh, historic work, one book together, but were, were divided at the time of the translation from Hebrew into Greek, uh, the Septuagint. That was when the, these it was divided into the two sections. Um, we'll, we'll get into that and tell a little bit about introductorily, in an introductory way to the book of First Kings. But right now, we want to use this uh, time in the Gospel of John, it is always so, so enriching and so good to spend time in the full-blown 
bright light of the Messiah in the time of when when all that the, was predicted, all that was foreseen for us, uh, that foreshadowed for us in the Hebrew Scriptures about God's kingdom and the coming of God, God's redemptive plan that centered around a, a male of the human race who would come and be uh, the anointed one, the hero, the, the, the redeemer, the savior, the Messiah, who would, who would carry out this ultimate work of redemption in that he would, he would um, be the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He would be uh, the atoning, um, the means by which God in his holiness and his righteousness, the means by which God is able to give full expression to his love because his righteousness, his holiness is totally satisfied through the work of the Messiah. We will talk a little bit about that uh, as we talk all about the gospel of John and about the, the redeemer, about the savior, about the Messiah. Uh, John lends itself greatly to this theme because he is, as, as we stated last week, Stacy, we were talking about the Gospel of John being um, the unique among the three Gospels mm-hmm. in some ways. One is because it, it is more theological uh, than the others. It's uh, the others are called uh, um, the. <laughs> Uh, I know we're both blanking. Yeah, the sync, you know uh, the, so opti- uh, the synoptic. synoptic. There you go. Yes, <laughs> I knew the word synchronize and yes. optic were in the, the uh, synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, generally written, there were some, in uh, more the classic sense of a historical or chronological uh, writing about the life and ministry of the Messiah. Uh, Matthew wrote uh, to the Jewish people, a Jewish theme, Christ the King. Mark wrote uh, to a, a, um, a, a Gentile audience, Christ the Servant. And we see the Messiah as a servant, healing, um, fixing uh, healing relationships, uh, going from village to village, person to person. Uh, healing and pouring out his life in benefit of others. And then Luke, of course, the only Greek writer in the New Testament, writing both the um, Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, a, a historian par excellence. Uh, Luke now is talked about Jesus as a man. He is a physician, a medical doctor, and he emphasizes the, the humanity uh, of the Messiah. Now, John comes along and he emphasizes the deity. Now, this is um, what I'm telling you is kind of the classic uh, th- seminary sort of view of the different books. And, and, and I believe it, there is something to these. There is some element of these. They're not any of them uh, entirely wholly given over to that theme, but that generally seems to be the the perspective of each of these different books. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are like uh, painting uh, they're, they're a portrait, and each one comes. Uh, they're not synchronized hist- histories where event after event, uh, these writers wrote from their own perspective, from their own memories, and from their own uh, perspective of Jesus, uh, his words, his teachings, his uh, miracles, his actions. Uh, each of them wrote from their own different perspective. 
uh, of that. So they're not, sometimes they were a little different in details. One might, might emphasize that, that there were, uh, three, uh, uh, let's say the, the donkey that Jesus rode into, uh, uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The one mentions the idea of, uh, one donkey, a mother talks talks about a donkey and, and his foal mm-hmm. um, at the at the at the um, garden at the tomb of Jesus. Some spoke of of one man. Some spoke of maybe a different um, mm-hmm. different idea. It, it's not that they were wrong. It's just that they wrote each had his own perspective and emphasis about what they saw. It's just like you if you saw if you walk into a situation. Uh, of a crime or a bank uh, holdup or something, and then they asked, the police asked the people later, and they said, oh, he wore a hat. No, he didn't wear a hat. He had a beard. You know, he didn't have a beard. He had a red shirt. No, he had a green shirt. Uh, there would be these different perspectives that people have and uh, that they would notice different things about uh, a scenario. And that's kind of what you have with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're, they're, they're portraits of of each of them with their viewpoint. Now, um, Mark wrote mostly from the perspective, it is thought, of Peter. Uh, John Mark, his family, they had a relationship with Peter, and uh, it is thought that John Mark wrote primarily from the memories and the perceptions of Peter. Uh, Mark Luke um, uh, had his perspective, obviously knew the Savior, uh, but had his perspective as well. And, and his, uh, he tends to lean on the other writers and the the testimony of other of the disciples and apostles as well. He, like I said, he's a he's a tremendous historian. Now John is that disciple whom Jesus loved. He's probably the youngest of the 12 disciples, uh, 12 to 14 years of age, it is thought, perhaps. Uh, Probably Jesus did have a special affection for this younger. They all kind of looked out for the younger one uh, and their their team and their squad here. Uh, So Peter, James, and John, which kind of the inner circle uh, and in terms of their relationship with Jesus. Uh, and then there were the 12, and then outside the 12, there were 70. And then outside the 70, there were another, uh, it said up to 500 saw him at his ascension, resurrected. So John so. would have been one of the sons of thunder. Yeah. <laughs> and the other son of thunder would have been... James, 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 James and, and John, John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder. Thunder. Which uh, I just think is hmm. uh, kind of sweet. I, and, uh, you know, you also think of where at least I, I read this, that Peter and uh, the translation or the what Jesus comes from the like Rocky, that that's kind of what it's, I guess, translated. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so when Jesus says on this rock, I will build, you know, this the church. Uh, and so it's on on Peter on the rocky. I will build the rock. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's sort of a play on, um, but it's just neat a little um, to see that Jesus has little nicknames for his friends. <laughs> you know, rocky, Rocky. rocky. I have a good friend named Rocky. Yeah, it just shows a little and and then gives it a little insight too. Yeah, but that's I think, an interesting John's personality. Mm-hmm. Interesting perspective there. Uh, there is that where Jesus says, uh, "Thou art Peter." Uh, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And uh, of course, the uh, 
prevailing Catholic thought, it was upon Peter, and that's the reason Peter is thought of to be the, uh, you know, the first pope. Or the, but actually, the two words, one is masculine, one is feminine, yeah. and the w- word for Petros, I'm, I'm not getting them exactly right here, but the idea was not upon Peter, the person, but upon this faith, this the declaration faith that, that you've declared. made, yes. thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's yeah. the rock mm-hmm. upon which the, the church is built. But Clearly, because in the next couple verses, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Next Peter thing you know, <laughs> yeah, that was something. Peter. We, Peter, Peter is definitely one of the most interesting uh, individuals uh here in in the uh, discipleship group he's probably the older the elder oldest of the uh 12 disciples uh and that is thought because when it was time to the the Sadducees and the Pharisees complained that to Jesus that why don't you and your disciples why don't y'all pay your temple tax and and so Jesus went about doing that but only it looked like at least only Jesus and Peter uh, were 20 years older over. So they were the only two who had to pay the temple tax at that time. And, uh, and of course, in, remember, he sent Peter to go down and go fishing, and they found a coin in the fish's mouth mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, the point was is that the others are quite young. They're teenagers, actually. And uh, Peter, though, is the older one. He is uh, kind of a natural leader. Uh, he suffers from a little bit of foot and mouth disease. Uh, he only opens his mouth to put in or extract his foot, it seems like, it many times. <laughs> He's quick to speak. You know, he enters the room uh, mouth first. And, uh, oh, let's, you know, when he sees the uh, transformation, the transfiguration of Jesus, uh, he says, oh, let's build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for... And, and, and even God at this point has to interrupt him and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. <laughs> Shut up, Peter. Uh, so, yeah, and, and then Peter, that's a good reference. You started, stated there, Stacy, that um, Peter very quickly, uh, at one point, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. The word Christ is the, of course, the the Greek version of the word Meshuach, uh, Hebrew Messiah. You are the anointed one, the Messiah, son of the living God. What an incredible, Mm -hmm. you know, observation and and testimony that, uh, that he gives there. Very powerful. And even Jesus compliments him, you know, blessed art thou, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, because you Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but but God, the Father, and God has revealed this to you, and you know He compliments Him greatly, and then and then Jesus goes on to say, you know, now as the Messiah, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, <laughs> and I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be falsely accused and arrested, and I'm going to be put to death, and, and I'm going to be killed, and G- and Peter all of a sudden. I mean, just just a little while later, Peter says, "Oh no, never! That we can't. That can never happen. We won't let that happen." And Jesus has to say, "Get behind me, Satan! Get behind me, Satan!" So, um, so close, Peter. So close. It's close, but no cigar. Yeah, Yeah, he got it. But but you know, this was this was what happened. I think quite naturally, and I think with just a very little imagination, we can all understand that they. They got it. They right. they yeah. they got who he was. They came to believe. Yeah, he is that one. But but they had 
they had so much more to learn, not only about his identity, but about his role. Right. What was the, not only who was the Messiah, but what is the Messiah supposed to do? Right, right. And, and, and I think, Stace, you and I were talking about this before the show, that uh, as we look through the Gospel of John, and maybe we should put out this out to our listeners tonight as a question and with our phone number, we'd like to hear from you tonight. Uh, your thoughts. Uh, well, well, first, let's let's just say what we we said that it the the greatest misunderstanding that people had about G and even this went to the Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin and the 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 Jewish leaders, the religious uh, political leaders of and so on. What was why? What didn't they get? What was it that made them miss? Uh, Miss the boat. They just now now thousands of Jewish people did recognize Jesus, and they saw the miracles, they saw the signs, and they understood he it, this this must be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. This just like Peter did. Right. This must be the Messiah. But then there was this big big misunderstanding generally about what the role of the Messiah was. Right, and I'm just real quick bringing it back to John, and I think that is what is especially neat about John is that he emphasizes uh, Jesus's, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the bread. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. He tries to kind of to show how Jesus isn't just a Messiah to save them from the Roman. He puts Jesus into our everyday situation to every area of our life where we need freedom and saving Jesus is that answer I am everything you need I am the bread I'm the Lord uh, and and then I was reading and you, I am the light am of the of world the world I as your preacher uh, preached on today yes. and, and so in other words out of a bigger view of of, of who of that role of the Messiah and uh, it was saying John uses Instead of faith, uh, like many of the other acts and the other gospels, John tends to use believe more as a substitute mm-hmm. for faith because believe is a, implies an action to you. Not only do you have faith that that is true, but believing it implies living that acting, out, acting, acting on it. On it mm-hmm. And then, but I, I do appreciate John. I think it is a great gospel. If you haven't read any of the Gospels or even any other book of the Bible, start with John. Mm-hmm. I would, <laughs> um, I would. I really mm-hmm. definitely would for the time and era in which we live. And, and many people would, would say that. I've yeah. heard that over many years, that for a new believer, for someone who's just now trying to get a sense of what is the core, what is the what is the essence of the biblical message, uh, it, it is all about the redemptive plan of God. Yes, there's a lot of details. It, it covers about, what, 1,500 years of history, uh, times of peace, times of war, different uh, periods of time, different people, personality, different settings. Uh, and yet there is this scarlet thread, this red thread that winds its way through throughout the Bible. It's all about this redemptive plan that God has brought about in and through and with the 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 the, the well through the Messiah 
as he brings him into being in the Hebrew scriptures, he prepares the path and prepares the, the road and the way for the Messiah to come. He chooses the exact moment for the Messiah to enter into history, into time and space, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the year of, of, you know, the prophet talks about, I mean, the gospel writer Luke talks about in, in the certain reign of this Roman um, uh, Caesar, God brought Jesus into the world through the people he had promised to bring him through. And so it's all about that plan. And there's always some adjustment. There's always people trying to adjust every time as the plan is carried out, people are having to re-remember what is that redemptive plan, what it's all about. And I think that's in particular happened in the time of Jesus and I want to ask you tonight this the big question here. Mm-hmm. I want to get you to thinking out there with us. What would have happened if Israel, and I'm talking about the the, the nation, nation group, the people mm-hmm. group of Israel, uh, the religious leaders and the political the leaders and so on, the, the power base and so on. Uh-huh. Now, there were thousands and thousands of Jewish people who did embrace Jesus, who believed in him, who trusted him. Remember John the Baptist threw his, all the weight of his ministry behind him and so on. So there were thousands of people who were believers, Jewish men and women who were believers and followers. The early church was made up primarily of in the beginning, at least, uh, of, of Jewish men and women, but but the Jewish leadership, the political leadership, um, uh, the religious leadership, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, and so on. Judas, th- uh, they did Caiaphas. not. Yeah, Caiaphas. Uh, Judas. And, in fact, there were there were there were two actual high priests in the time of Jesus, which is there were only supposed to be one high priest. There was Annas, and then the Romans had deposed Annas, and they had put in Annas son-in-law Caiaphas they had put him in as the high priest that's why uh that's why it's, it mentions there are two high priests in the time of Jesus and that used to be a criticism of the bible it's oh let's see the bible is wrong there're never two high priests you know the and and yet later on historically it was discovered what had been happened and we realized that there were actually two sitting high priests Annas and Caiaphas and um and so Luke Luke came out to be right again. He's just right on the ball. But uh, the point is, is what if the political and even religious leadership of the nation, what if they had embraced Jesus? And we're we're taking this from uh, in terms of, I guess, the key verse here would be in John 11 mm-hmm. uh, verse let's see, probably start in 48 and then uh-huh. go to 51. And that shows kind of the clear moment when they, at least in John, when when they plot to kill him. So that is the uh, the equivalent. I mean, that's them not embracing Jesus. And so, and Caiaphas is, you know, I guess this is that verse, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. And so um, there must have been probably a lot of different motivations for them plotting to kill sure. him, mm-hmm. uh, but w- what if all of those motivations were not there, and or were there, but they chose to back Jesus, to believe him, to follow him instead? What would have happened? What do you think would have happened? I don't it's know if you've ever fun, asked yourself, folks, a- uh, in, in your imagination, <laughs> what if the religious and uh, political leaders of the nation had indeed noted that 
Jesus was indeed the Messiah. He did. Now, listen listen to what Caiaphas uh, and the leadership said. This was after Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And you, you're going to be astounded if you've never paid attention to the details of what they say. We're going to look at what was their reaction to all of these signs, these miraculous wonders that Jesus did. Uh, and why did they not embrace him as the leader? And what would have happened if the Jewish leadership had embraced Jesus as the Messiah? We'd like to get your phone call on that, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. What do you think would have happened if they had acknowledged Jesus as Messiah and what would have been what would have happened in history I assume it would be a little bit different but how different would it have been give us a call if you'd like 210-340-9585 we'll be right back and talk more about the gospel of John here on the Bible live I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what he said, John 14, chapter 6. We'll talk about that. That's a very, very important verse. And also, and real quick, almost, just kudos to John for the music. You always choose such great music. <laughs> How did he know? How yeah. did he know? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> but I would say this, Stacey, that, uh, that verse, John 14, 6, is quoted so often by believers Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but except through me. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure a lot of us who quote it to other people, I'm not sure we're quite getting it right. What what was Jesus actually saying? You know, we'll, we'll have to look at that verse, John 14, verse 6. We'll get to that well, d- during our, our uh, consideration, our discussion tonight. But our phone number, 210 340 9585 210-340-9585 is our phone number and we'd like to talk a little bit about uh the whole idea of the a biblical world view uh and what that meant in the time of Jesus uh, even in the centuries leading up to Jesus in fact uh uh the Israel tell them what you just said to me about <laughs> Israel had this unique challenge sure. the people of it that moses brought the people of israel out of egypt they mount sinai then they finally 40 years later they went into the promised land and we saw the time of the judges then we're getting into the time of the kings this this people group had a unique challenge to uh to represent the true and living god mm-hmm. uh in their nation and and be an influence um 
a constant testimony to the true and living God to all the nations around them. It was never, ever just about our little group, and it's all about us. It was always about the whole world. God was always interested in all the nations and all the people groups. That's very clear uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, and yet they had this constant tendency to become very ethnocentric, you know, me and mine, Which you know, you can just about understand because it was also on them though to preserve their to to preserve holiness. I mean, to, mm-hmm. to be righteous. Mm-hmm. The Levitical laws were all about purity and to preserve that lineage and to preserve mm-hmm. through it. And so on one hand, you know, you can understand and, and in fact, oh, you know, hold fast, write these on your heart, mm-hmm. you know, tell the stories to your children, pass it on to generation to generation. And so, you know, on one hand, they were, they were right by that to remember and to hold true uh but then you know and then on the and on the other hand though you you don't want to hold so true that you would start taking on the characteristics of the other nations that are you know have their false beliefs or the or the false gods or the uh and so you don't want to to yep. disobey the law by trying to obey the law <laughs> i mean and, and they were to be in the world they were to the be world. uh take a message of god to the world Mm-hmm. But not to be of the world. Mm-hmm. They were not to to. They were to influence the world. They were the world's, you know, the corruption and the perversity and the violence and the all of that was not. They were not to get be influenced by it, but to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I do understand that's an incredible challenge. I mean. All of us as believers today mm-hmm. have the same. We, we're the people of God today. We know the Lord I mean, through his grace and mercy on our lives. We walk with him. And, we, you know, I'm I'm as big a mess up as anybody else. And, I, you know, I'm, and yet it falls to us to try to be true to the message, to the character of God mm-hmm. and reflect that to others around us, but without giving in to uh, being a part of the corruption and the mess around us. And, you know, I, and, I, and that does, and that's why John did, is, how do we do that? And Jesus says, I am the way you do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what we, that is the beauty of, of John. And that is the beauty of, of uh, the Messiah. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all throughout, I'm sure all throughout the old Testament, how do we do this? And the way they do it is by by holding true, by turning to God, by by obeying Him and being faithful to Him, and then it, and then finally, finally, you can see the why they're so glad. I mean, they, why they long for a Messiah to 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 take that from them. I mean, it is through Jesus, and we can rest and have that assurance. Okay, but so him. how do we apply that to ourselves? Okay. How today, how do we as God's people today in San Antonio, Texas, mm-hmm. and wherever folks are listening to this uh, program, how do we be the people of God in this moment that we we are Israel? Uh, it's made clear for us in the scriptures. We, we are now... And we understand now that Israel was more than just a little people group over in a little piece of real estate over there in the Middle East, that 
Israel was always bigger than just one little people group. Uh, it, it was always bigger. It, it, that's why we have Ruth. That's why we have uh, uh, Rahab. That's why we have so many in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament that came from Darius. all of the, Uriah the Hittite. You know, the, the, all of these that converts, converts who came to God uh, through. Uh, faith in the testimony through the testimony of godly uh, men and women of Israel. Mm-hmm. It, so they, it was always about the world. And you notice that John in particular emphasizes the world. Yeah. Um, what John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him. Uh, and, and over and over again we see this emphasis. It's not about. Just and maybe, me and mine, and my maybe, little group. And maybe that's the that is maybe the key to to helping at least maintain that right perspective, is is just to re, to remember that he he does love the world, and so that kind of helps you to view instead of other people being your enemy that are going to be threatening your very life, they become one you pray for they become one that you and and instead of Mm. and instead of your lifestyle being something that you hold over them your lifestyle becomes god's just grace to you that that you have as a gift and uh, you can you can be humble about it and pray for others I mean, I, I was trying to say and that. And more than it, just pray, I mean, we can go. We can go. I've been to Mongolia, right. Stacy. I helped bring the yeah. gospel yeah. to Mongolia. Right. You the can... incredible privilege of a whole nation opening mm-hmm. up to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Russia, the Moscow, to Kazakhstan. Place, we can now, the, and these are considered our enemies, you know, mm-hmm. the great enemy, Russia, you know, the communism and so on, and, 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 and Red China now. And so, and no wow. one is saying that they're not a threat, that they're not a danger, mm-hmm. just like Rome was a danger. To, but our calling is distinct. It doesn't mean we're not patriotic, that we don't love our. We try to reach our own nation and our own the people of our country as well. But when you have a biblical worldview, it it doesn't necessarily come down to we and they, us and them. You know, it's mm-hmm. we we. We identify with with what God said, the, the whole world. And there's, uh, you know, you think of Jeremiah, you think of Daniel, Daniel living under the reign of six foreign emperors, you know, who were who were who were clamping down on Israel. They had Nebuchadnezzar had taken people in, in, in Daniel himself has had been uh, operated on and fixed so he couldn't have children because of because of Nebuchadnezzar and he yet he served in their in their reign uh Shadrach Meshach Abednego they served they they had a vision of what who God was and what he was doing that was bigger than their just their little people group it doesn't mean they didn't care about their people group but they their vision was bigger and i i kind of wonder what what does that mean to us today maybe some of our listeners would have a thought about that 210-340-9585 what does it mean for us to have a biblical world view 
today? How would that make a difference in some of the issues, at least, that we face uh, as God's people, uh, as believers, citizens of both the United States of America and citizens of heaven, the kingdom of God? Uh, that That is the challenge that the people of Israel always had. And I think in the in the Gospels, it becomes very clear. You see <coughs> that there was that struggle. I was going to read this. You started to read, uh, Stacy, on Jesus' final journey from uh, from up north. Remember, his ministry was headquartered at the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, <coughs> as it had been predicted that the Messiah would would um, have his headquarters in northern Israel, the northern tribes. <coughs> I'm so sorry, but but he often came down to Jerusalem during his three, three and a half years of ministry. And but this was his final journey down uh, to Israel. And he told his disciples it was his last journey down. Uh, remember, they stopped in Jericho. The, he told them, I'm, uh, and even told them, I'm going to go down and I'm going to be falsely accused. I'm going to be um, put in a, in a trial. I'm going to be found guilty, and I'm going to be executed. I'm going to be killed. And, I, you know, and that's, we talked about how Peter's response, oh, no, he can't have that. Uh, and yet the Messiah, basing himself, what he knew of himself on God's word and the scriptures, it was clear from him. He understood that the role of the, the role of the Messiah, not only that he was the Messiah, but he understood the role of the Messiah would that he would be killed, that he would be crucified, and that he would rise again. It's all there in the scriptures, and and Jesus, Jesus was. A man of the word. He, he he had a biblical worldview. Now, when he's coming back, now he he raises Lazarus, and many of the people who were with Mary uh, believed in Jesus when they saw this miracle. Mary, Mary was member Lazarus' sister, Mary and Martha. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. I'm looking at chapter eleven, verse forty-five, forty-six. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the meeting of the high council, the the Sanhedrin. Uh, what are we going to do? They ask each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. So they knew the signs and wonders. They they didn't they couldn't deny that. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come, leaders, and they're worried about the country, which is right. They should have that in mind about the nation. And and then Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, remember he had replaced his father-in-law Annas. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't you realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed by the Romans? He did not say this on his own. Now, this is John speaking. As high priest at that time, he was led by God to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for, and listen to this, and not only for that nation, Israel, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Mm -hmm. John got it. At least by the time he wrote yeah. this, <laughs> John got it. Yeah. Uh, he uh, So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Mm -hmm. And as a result, <laughs> Jesus uh, stopped his public ministry there and, and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness, uh, to the uh, close to the village of Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover when he would go back into the city and so on. So the point is, is that uh, this is the challenge that people 
the people and the leadership were having to go through. This is the challenge that the Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, had to go through. Mm-hmm. He was an absolute enemy of Jesus and the way, what they called the way. Mm-hmm. And, and he persecuted believers. He was arresting them, putting them in jail. He was even pres- kind of the presiding person in the uh, killing of Stephen mm-hmm. in, in Acts chapter 4. Uh, so uh, th- this whole... The whole nation, in a way, is having to rethink and go back to the basics of what does it mean to be the people of God. Mm -hmm. And their primary misunderstanding is they had given a military political interpretation as to what it meant. Right. Not a person that that's kind of not a person of God, but the people of God. Mm -hmm. Probably, and like we see with Nicodemus, if it was just Nicodemus's choice, if Nicodemus was acting all on his, you know, just just didn't have to think about his position, his wealth, his wealth, his followers, he probably would have left and followed Jesus. Right? I mean, he would have been. But I, I mean, I'm assuming you know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, But yeah. once you do start to kind of get into the oh, but what about this and what about that and what about my status what about the people that follow me what about rome what about you know then you and and you you're forced to not just bring your relationship just for yourself but you're forced to apply that relationship as a as a collective as a people and that is tricky that is the church though i mean that is what that is what the church is called to do we are a, a people of god But what we have to see, too, is that it didn't just, although the time of Jesus was a remarkable, very special time, a moment, an Mm -hmm. instant in history, but it wasn't the first time this, like I said before, Jeremiah had the same problem. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, was trying to take over, and Jeremiah had to say, folks, Obey, uh, obey Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. O- obey the Babylonians. Don't rebel against them. Give in to them, and, and it, w- it will go well for you. you know, he understood what God was doing, mm-hmm. and he was saying, "And your role here is go along with what God is doing." That and so this goes having, back to then. Okay, so what if they had gone along with? What, with okay well, with Jesus, if if the Caiaphas, so he assumes that the temple probably Roman, the Roman army will come and destroy both the temple and our nation. That's what Caiaphas is, and he may or may not have been right with. I guess that's the mm-hmm. what what do we think would have happened if Caiaphas said, "Well, so be it." So okay, they do. let's just take first Babylon. If if they had obeyed Babylon and not, maybe the temple would not have been destroyed in 586 BC by Babylonian and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I mean. I know this is all conjecture, but the point is it was real mm-hmm. and it there was there were options. Mm-hmm. People could have obeyed the prophet Jeremiah. They could have done that, but they didn't. In that time, they rebelled and they did all the wrong things and it came down on them. And God even used that to further his his kingdom, because the people of Israel were then scattered out of out of Israel at 586 B.C. And they went they scattered and that happen for the next five, six hundred years that now we come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, it, it, God is at work. And if we see him at work and we know what God is doing from his perspective, our point, our point, our place is just simply to trust him and obey him, be the people of God. 
and God's going to work out everything he wants for America, you know, just as he did, like for Israel. But our role is to have a biblical worldview of reaching Russia, reaching Iran and Iraq with the God, reaching North Korea with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That, and we have to understand we have the advantage because the human heart was created for him. Mm-hmm. I've been to Mongolia. I've talked to people who'd never heard the name of Jesus before in their life. Mm-hmm. And the first time they heard about him, they came forward and said, I want Jesus in my heart. You know, the, the people are not, I mean, people are there. And if we'll be faithful, mm-hmm. even in those moments, whether it's in Moscow or Russia or uh, over in, in or at work uh, in, in Kazakhstan or the Ukraine or at work here, <laughs> sometimes easier to go around the world than it is to go across the block, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to be faithful where we are as the people of God. Now, the the thing about back to John, Stacy keeps pointing back to the Bible. Back, go back to John. Um, they did plot then to kill Jesus. Now, it could have happened that they, they, if they had. Remember, John starts his book out saying he came into his own, Jesus, the, the light, the Messiah, the word. He came into his own and his own received him not. It, it, clearly th- talking about Israel. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the power to become God's children. And so th- the point is, is that, what if Israel had embraced Jesus? Uh, you know, uh, it, it, certain things would have remained the same. The Messiah would still have had to die. The the Lamb of God would somehow maybe... Uh, My guess is Rome, Rome would have maybe. come down. Somebody, somewhere, somehow, some way. Uh, but uh, a, a number of people could have been on the right side of that and maybe died with him, <laughs> for that matter. But <laughs> the, in other words, we are reading in the Gospels uh, the, the very incredible story, the remarkable story of 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 that Messiah, how it happened, how it fell out, how it took place, how God manipulated nations and empires and, and individuals to bring about his perfect, perfect will for the whole world in a very in a very clear, real scene, a, a believable, a real scene of real people. Uh, and that's the exciting thing about the Gospels. It really is. Stacy, get me out of this hole I'm digging for myself. <laughs> I, know, it's I do want to, we're about to hit another break. And so I just want to read a couple questions because John is a, just, it's a fun book and I'm always mm-hmm, a fan mm-hmm. of questions and answers. And so if you do have any answers, we, we have a really wonderful Bible. Uh, I know this is month of the military child and just kind of thinking about military USA and uh, this Bible it was for it's, it's black and it's gold stamped. It's U.S. veteran. So this is for if you know a veteran or if you are a veteran and know an answer, call in and uh, we'll send you this Bible if, um, if you're the only caller. And if you win, <laughs> then we'll send it to you. But right. it's a King James Version. It's an extra large print. It's really pretty. The questions, uh, which of the disciples asked Jesus to show them the Father? That one's kind of tricky, I think, mm-hmm. uh, but it's interesting. And then a little bit easier one that is in that one is in John 15, 14, verse five. Mm-hmm. Right before that big verse, 14, verse six. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's by Thomas's question, actually, or <laughs> Thomas's. Oh, don't like, give oh. it away. Oh, <laughs> That's all right. I, I, she didn't. Say. Um, which of Jesus's disciples served as treasure? That one. Oh, so that's John interesting. John twelve six is where 
that is said. So which of Jesus' disciples served as the treasurer? Which of the disciples asked Jesus to show them the Father? And one more since, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on in John, let's go ahead and, uh, well, we said this in, uh, so if you were listening, you would know, or you can uh, read. According to Jewish law, there was to be only one high priest at a time, an office held for life. Who were the two high priests that oversaw Jesus's trial, and why were there two? Mm-hmm. That's John eighteen twelve through 13. And, uh, yeah, that one's an interesting one. I like the history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those All are the right. questions. Well, those three good questions. Um, uh, <laughs> there's so many good questions. Right. And, and Jesus then, actually yeah. explains why he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, and I was going to ask, why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Which of the disciples asked Jesus to show them the Father? Um, there's only one high priest. Who were the high priests and why there were two? And that's uh, there was another was question. Too. Who, who was the treasurer of Jesus' little band of disciples? All right. Give us a call, 210-340-9585, and the Bible Live will continue our final segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the incredible day that is coming up on May the 6th called the National Day of Prayer. Come back and join us. God will lead us to the blessed promised land. He will guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. And we'll understand it better by and by. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Is that my old friend Elvis? Uh, it sounded like him. We are back. And that, that goes along with the theme of what we've been saying about how people understood it better by and by. You know, they, just they, before they died. Yeah, mostly just before they died, before we they had a chance to do a lot it. with it. Ah, I get it. Uh. Yeah. But no, the the uh, but that's the point we're getting is that when we have a biblical worldview, it, it's... Yes, there's wonderful things, wonderful, simple truths of the Bible and of the scriptures, of, of our salvation, of our relationship with God, and, and, and that we're saved and our sins are forgiven, we're going to heaven, and yes. And yet when we get the bigger picture of what are the implications of that on, on my life and on the times in which we live, we have to see that it's... It's all about the world. God cares about every human being, and that we can we can play a part. We are now um, spiritual Israel. We are here to be that light. Yeah. You know, Jesus not only said, "I am the light of the world," He said, "You yeah. are the and light of the light world." Shine. It reminds me, sorry, real quick, a, a little bit of um, not to make it in C.S. Lewis, but you know how the the farther in the the higher up, the farther in, far higher up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea, so in this world, 
the the more in you get, the smaller things become. And so if you are in uh, the United States of America and then you go into San Antonio, San Antonio is smaller than the United States of America. In San Antonio, you go into Timberwood Park. Timberwood Park is smaller than you know and then you go to okay. uh, your house and your house is smaller than the neighborhood the our farther, little residential section the, is right, yeah and the then farther uh, yeah. in mm-hmm. the smaller it becomes and with jesus the farther in actually the larger it becomes and so in this world and in this kind of in this kingdom the the farther in the smaller it gets but with mm. christ and when you receive him the farther in, the larger it becomes. And that reminds me a little bit of the, the more intimate you are with, with Jesus, the further in in relationship, the bigger your understanding, the bigger your perspective gets, the more the open. And well, it, and I've always loved that. With it's, not, it's not limiting, it's liberating. Yeah. It, it, it opens the world. Yes, yeah, right. Speaking of liberating, and this mm-hmm. kind of gets to the mark, to the May 6th, and that is... Uh, not to make this segue to go on you're in a roll you're doing great (laughs) well yeah and so in that way and that is the the approach that we take with national day of prayer and so you know when it does seem like things are just impossible as a country as a people as any kind of a group trying to work together and make policy and create you know a laws that work for everyone it seems impossible and that is why our country we actually have a national day of prayer where the where we have a law that was legislated where it asks it's a day of prayer for the country and they ask for prayer and fasting meditation whatever for for the leaders and for the people and this year's theme there's a national task force that's the christian expression of of this day and uh, which is probably the largest you know of of all of the different faith groups um what other, faith, what other nation of the world has, has a, national a national day, day of, of acknowledging god yeah. and yeah. A praying mm-hmm. to god and in similar ways that's how thanksgiving was 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 first mm-hmm. established it mm-hmm. was a day of giving thanks you know so but this year's theme so every there's a task force and it kind of changes the people that from year to year we've this has been a law since uh 1952 most currently um, but so for 70 years, and uh, so there's a in this year's task force. The theme is Lord, pour out your love, life, and liberty. And we're so used to kind of thinking of liberty as something uh, Well, something. Uh, well, when we think of liberty, I think is purely political. That's when we have a hard time because it's whose liberty, and then there seems to be tensions. And the way that we really do get liberty is through. Through the Lord, and that's why they chose this theme. Is it's there's so much talk of life and and love and freedom and liberty, and the only way that we really will receive those in full as there is is when it's Christ's when it's when it's Jesus's love, life, and liberty. And so, anyways, the National Day of Prayer is this uh, is well Thursday, May sixth. It's always the first Thursday of May. So this year it's Thursday, May sixth. There will be. Um, observing it in San Antonio every year for the past 35 years, the mayor has issued a city proclamation recognizing the National Day of Prayer. And um, 
and usually it's down at City Hall at noon. We'll have the official reading of that proclamation and then a time of prayer for the city, uh, for the country, for families, businesses, arts, and media. Uh, this year, it'll be outside City Hall. It's been under some construction, so it's going to be at Main Plaza, uh, outside downtown um, at Commerce in Main, just right in front of the San Fernando Cathedral there. Pre-service music will start at 1130, and we'll have a time of prayer at noon. So I think it's going to be a really special year. I think it's, um, you know, uh, I, I think it'll be a, a really sweet time. I mean, if, if ever we've experienced a year of, of at least feeling not, uh, you know, just under oppression as opposed to liberty, maybe it was this year. And so much of an outcry for healing, for um, for community, uh, for worship. I think it'll be a really neat time. So anyways, come, come to, come out to that Thursday, Thursday, May, 6th. May the 6th at noon, mm-hmm. uh, usually on the steps of city hall, but this year at main plaza, at main plaza, mm-hmm. uh, tremendous one of the great aspects it's always been because uh, incredible time of worship yeah. the, the music has always been phenomenally mm-hmm. uh, phenom- wonderful and the time of worship and praise to god mm-hmm. and w- being to get all the people of god together not just you know my little congregation and their congregation and this and, and there's nothing wrong with that we we okay. love and cherish our com- our individual congregations now more than ever because we've not been yeah. able to meet so much uh, nothing wrong with that, but here is one of those unique opportunities that all of us together as the people of God from all over our city, all over our area can come together and, and, and in a visible union, a very special time of prayer and intercession mm-hmm. for our nation, for our city, mm-hmm. for our city's leaders, our our state, our nation, uh, and pray uh, for God. And God, you know, the promises that God gives us in prayer are, are just just astounding mm-hmm. and so uh but but let me say this too although we encourage you to come down to uh, downtown san antonio commerce in maine at main plaza join us there on thursday may the 6th it, it you'll be very happy you did it, it's a tremendous time always is but always remember too that it's always much bigger than just an event yeah. this is a time of millions of people millions yeah. of believers across america mm-hmm. will be joining at that same time mm-hmm. um, small towns and cities and mid-sized and great big cities and mm-hmm. the nation's capital all across the land and not only gathering but there will be people praying in their homes at and work. at the workplaces yeah. and uh, Schools. Uh, the, the point is is you know when we think about prayer uh national day of prayer we often think first of an event. You know, that's why we are as Americans. You know, when somebody brings up, oh, let's have an event. You know, let's, I don't know let's if do this. this. We might have been broken by COVID. Maybe, COVID might have broke us of that. Broke us of that <laughs> habit. But the point is, is that wherever you are, would you yeah. remember pray. Thursday, May the 6th mm-hmm. and pray, mm-hmm. uh, pray, pray. And maybe, yeah. maybe just you alone, but maybe you and your family at a special time, mm-hmm. maybe at the workplace, maybe wherever we are, Make sure to remember and and let there be a great, great uh, uplifting of prayers. This 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 incense of prayer up to God the Father. This this Thursday, May the sixth. You, it, it, we can do this any day of the year. We can pray, <laughs> and we're called upon and, pray continually, always and, you know, pray. And, yeah. so on. and this past year, we have had some. Uh, spontaneous national day of prayers mm-hmm. that were called because of the social circumstances. But yeah. this one is 
is always uh, Thursday and Easter. And it's a, it's a great miracle. It's something that God uniquely has given to our nation. Uh, mm -hmm. God led Vonette Bright many, many years ago to work with President Reagan. And uh, it started way back in 1951, as you said, with Eisenhower. But then uh, during the time trimming. of the 80s is when uh, Vonette worked with uh, with President Reagan and both houses of Congress. That was to make it the first Thursday. So in 1952, it, actually, mm -hmm. was Truman that with the first resolution for a National Day of Prayer. And then, but it was a different day each year. And mm -hmm. so it was when uh, Vonette worked with Reagan that they actually made it the first Thursday in May, so that people could uh, organize. Organize. Because <laughs> yeah. usually, sometimes uh, I remember earlier. We didn't. We knew there was a national day of prayer, but we didn't know what day it was going to be this year, and we had to kind of wait until you had to pray said, every day. Yeah. Oh, oh man, that, was, that would have been a mistake. I mean, we can't. no. Um, anyway, yeah, this is a remarkable opportunity we have. Yeah, so don't miss Thursday, May right. sixth. We'll be mentioning it right. more, and you'll be hearing about it more mm -hmm. too on this great station. And if you're interested in volunteering or being a part of students or churches, you can go to uh, let's see. Uh, ndpsanantonio.org um, also we'll, we're going to need prayer volunteers there will be a prayer tent for anyone who would like to receive prayer or pray and um, we'll also be handing out bibles and so it'll be a great time to open god's word to come and get a bible for yourself or a loved one if you don't have one and so there's that as well let's talk with uh, one of our listeners calling franklin. in franklin oh, is sorry his to name keep you waiting. we are so sorry to keep you waiting but we had to get that information about the day of prayer out there on the airways, Franklin. Good to hear from you. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> I'm so glad you were able to get that out to everybody. Thanks. Hey. Well, God bless you. Thank you, Franklin. And your beautiful daughter, Stacy. I got the name right for once. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was getting used to Tracy. I was thinking, hey. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. no, it was, it was Stephanie and uh, right. a whole bunch of others. It all started with an F, though. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well. Yeah. Now, listen. Uh, I got it right this time. Yes. Well, you're you're <laughs> okay. talking about, do you have an answer for about what what if Israel had embraced Jesus? Or do you, along those lines, or what were you wanting to talk about? No, no, it's not so much that. Uh, it's uh uh, earlier in your program, uh, uh, one thing that stuck to my mind Franklin, was turn your uh, turn your about turn your radio the scarlet thread Franklin, that Rahab Franklin, let down from her window Franklin, so that she would Franklin, be scared. I'm sorry. And uh, oh, well. apparently all the walls of Jericho fell down except the wall that she was on because she was on the wall. Good thought. Well, the scarlet thread is an interesting uh, thread through the Bible. Uh, remember in Passover, they would take the lamb's blood and they put it over the doorpost and all, and that's a scarlet thread. Right. And then Rahab put that scarlet thread out there uh, to, uh, to, uh, um, uh, to show that, uh, uh, you know, she was. Don't kill us. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And But think about this. The scarlet thread that saved us all was the scarlet thread that flowed down the cross from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that, that, that has been throughout the whole Bible. Uh, red and scarlet and all mm -hmm. seem.
seem to have a special meaning. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that goes. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that was a very interesting thing. And the other thing is if the Sanhedrin and, and the elders of, of Jerusalem had not been blinded by God uh, and had accepted Jesus and everything, none of us would have been saved. So this was God's miracle in a way. Mm-hmm. Even though it's kind of a horrible miracle that his son had to pay the price, but that was the the way it was set up in the Bible from the very beginning, that there had to be a sacrifice for our sins, and that sacrifice was Jesus. And uh, I just very thought that was an interesting thought. Very interesting. What do you all think about that? I I want to comment on because I think one of the purposes of this clearly was that the kingdom of God and the understanding of God's redemptive plan had to move out of Israel. It had, it had become, uh, maybe I'm going to get this wrong, but uh, I don't, in other words, it was the people of Israel's challenge to take the knowledge of the true and living God to all the nations of the world of the knowledge of it and that uh, and and that's clearly seen in all the old remember david's psalms let all the nations of the world praise god all the peoples of the world and so on it it clearly had to bust out of the restraints of mm-hmm. israel right so that's a good way of putting it part yes. of the part of the dynamic of the messiah coming part of the dynamic we say see historically of jesus having come in his and uh, him being proclaimed as Messiah by the apostles and, and the people of, you know, the believers out of Jerusalem and Samaria and uh, outermost parts of the world. This gospel exploded across the Roman Empire. Millions of people have come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Millions have come to know him because through the name of Jesus, through this, through this, uh, th- this man of Judah, the tribe of Judah, millions m- more have come to know God through his testimony, his life, than through any other Hebrew Jewish person in in the in the world. I mean, even Daniel, even the great prophets. So it it, it clearly was part of the plan of God is that the the message of God's God and His redemption had to come, had to burst out of. The wine skin of Israel, new wine and old wine skin. It had to get out of there. So whatever would have happened, whatever we conjecture might have happened, it it would have had to. The, the message of the gospel would have had to explode out of Israel. Now, again, thousands and thousands of Jewish people then embraced Jesus. Loved. It wasn't like the whole people, all of the people of Israel, all the Jewish people rejected Jesus. No, a huge number. And throughout these 2,000 years now, even today, there are millions of Jewish men and women all around planet Earth who worship and follow after Jesus the Messiah. So it's never right to say, oh, the Jews reject Jesus. It's not a good thing to even say because it's not factually right and true. There are those who do and those who don't, but we have to realize that part of God's plan, I'm sure, of that in that era was that the gospel— the knowledge of the true and living God had to burst out of uh, the confines there in in that little the little nation group of Israel, and and that was accomplished 
incredibly powerfully in just, probably about a, just about a 50 to 60 year period following the death of Jesus the Messiah. Go ahead, Stacey. I know you're chomping at the bit there a little oh, bit. Uh, I, I spread that word more than anybody else. Paul, yeah. who was Saul, who was the greatest persecutor of Jesus exactly. until uh, he, he was converted. And then he became the great uh, apostle to the Gentiles. And he spread that word all over. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in, you know, I think Bartholomew went to the east yep. and spread the word, but he didn't get real far. Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, I think the history or, or tradition says that Thomas went to India. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't Bartholomew go that way too? I think to so. The I east? think you're right. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and and I don't know about the others. I don't know what happened to Philip. Stephen, of course, we know was stoned. But uh, uh, what about the others? Well, remember that, Philip. That's something that Philip was uh, took and spoke to the eunuch, uh, the Philip, um, the. Um... Yes, yes, and then he was snatched away. Uh huh. And uh-huh. that went to Africa. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Exactly. So the Ethiopian yeah. eunuch. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that something? Yeah. So it, it a man was, looking for the word of God. How can I? How can I understand it if nobody explains it to yeah. me? <laughs> oh, I know it's a great so he story. Did. <laughs> but it was all about. Oh, I think is. the main thing was, uh, well, one of the main things here is that bursting out of the confines of the Middle East. You know, in other words, it, now, that was a a ripe time for the message of the true and living God. The people, over half the people in the Roman Empire were were in bondage. They were in some kind of slavery, as um, oh, yeah. and, and they were hungry and thirsty for hope and for truth. Yeah. And, and well, think about something else, Sophie. If it wasn't for the Roman Empire, the word of God would not have been able to be spread because the Romans built roads everywhere. Yeah. And they had garrisons, and they protected the people on the roads. Exactly. Uh, not for the spread of the gospel, but for mercantile uh, gain and everything. But everything, God turns everything to work for himself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to work for the betterment of, of humankind. Yeah, frankly. It's all in his plan. It's all in his plan. Praise Jesus. Amen. That's what we call a biblical worldview. Thank you, Franklin, for calling in. We're so glad you called. I appreciate you. That's that's a biblical worldview. When we see the Scriptures, and we understand not only the times we live in today, but that the big picture of what is God doing today. Uh, and I know that there are thousands and thousands of believers in Russia. I've, I've met people in in Kazakhstan. I stayed in a, a villa. I stayed in a beautiful hotel that, that uh, Gorbachev usually stayed in when he made trips down to Kazakhstan. I stayed in that same hotel. I mean, it's just amazing things that God has allowed me to see through these years. But, but there are thousands of simple, wonderful, Jesus-loving, God-fearing men and women across the, the, the former Soviet empire, uh, the, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, heart of Moscow. I was there whenever they had the, the a big evangelistic outreach there in Moscow, and, and people were receiving a, a copy of the Jesus film in, in Russian and taking just thousands and thousands of copies given out o- over the land. So 
that God is doing such wonderful things in this time in which we're living, and we get to be a part of it. And I'm I'm certain that this COVID virus is is going to play. We're going to find out ultimately that God's going to even use that. And that's the point: is that we can be on the cutting edge. We we don't have to be lagging behind necessarily. Now, obviously, maybe we'll not get every detail, but we can, as long as we're lifting our eyes, like you said earlier, Stacy. As further in we go, the bigger our vision uh, of God and what He's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm going on too much. Re- rescue me here. <laughs> no, did I? Well, there's a there's beautiful, and that's all. I, I and Franklin, thank you for calling in. Did, mm-hmm. he, did he? Uh, we were having a little bit of sound issue. I don't know if y'all yes. heard that on the. And so I was trying to work with John a little bit and make sure the mics and everything was well. So, uh, did he? The questions? Did he? Franklin still can't win a prize? Oh, Franklin, he, you're not allowed. Oh, <laughs> because I think it was two or three weeks ago he had won another prize, all and right. but he's he's still uh, he's still in the penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the but, sake of the, yeah. Questions answered. Yeah. I, I know he uh, talked a little bit um, mm-hmm. towards if Israel had embraced Jesus as the Messiah, and that made me think of you know. Well, I guess so. The death on the cross was a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, if he had not been executed by the Romans and had just you know died of even just natural causes. Would it that that still would have I think fulfilled at least the it still would have been atonement mm. because it still would have been death. Uh, it would not have been. I prophecy. suspect he still would have been executed at some at level some in point, some way. Somebody would have. Oh. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It, it's a curiosity to know what might have happened. Yeah. Uh, the the prediction, the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies had to come true. He had to be yeah. with our stripes, his suffering servant, and so yeah. on. We've got to say that next week. Now we've already started yeah. reading the books of First and Second Kings, and next week we'll go further into those books as well. Thanks everyone for listening tonight. See you Bible next Sunday. Is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.